For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcasts and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of HIC Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in the world, welcome. This is your. your 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 independent wrestling and uh, WWE AEW uh, everybody's welcome wrestling podcast. You know who I mean. Oh, you know who I'm giving the evil eye to. I, I, I see who's in my chat. But welcome. I am joined, of course. I say he's my co-host, but he's he's the other host, Greg Lagans, and of course, I've been wanting to get uh, this person back for. A while, and after a certain WrestleMania weekend thing, I was like, "Yeah, come on, we gotta talk some more trash." <laughs> the great Chris Kazama is back. Chris, thanks for coming uh, on. Thank you guys for having me back on the podcast. Uh, very excited to uh, but, have this platform to just speak to you. It was nice. Uh, it's you know, I, I, just to, to to pleasure myself for a second on live on Twitch. Um, it's nice to yeah. Uh, uh, it was nice to um, you and Lo had very nice because I've done very little interviews in the last couple of years because they were just a turn off. You know how wrestling goes. Oh boy! And uh, to hear you guys and Mikey last night, he was on the Flyers podcast where we just screamed about the Flyers for twenty minutes. Um, complimented the show and says like it doesn't feel like you're forcing it. It feels like just a conversation, and that was the goal. So I'm glad. I'm glad that comes across. I'm very glad that I, that comes I enjoy across. coming here. Well, this is like my second time here, but I enjoy it because it is very much conversational. I'm not being grilled. I've done a lot of interviews, not to pat my own back, but I'm not being grilled on anything. Like, I, I feel just like very natural, very conversational. But yeah, I'm happy to do that. So, so my first thing, I, I, I want to get this out of the way right now. Um, and I looked it up. Oh, here it is. I had it ready to go. Uh, on June 26th at Black Girl Magic, the Pan-African World Dysphoria Championship match between Trish, Adora, and Jazz. And let me tell you something real quick, just from my perspective. 
holy fucking shit. Yeah. When jazz was in ECW when I was much younger, there was something about jazz that I was, you can ask my mom. I, everybody was going on. Of course, I liked Lita and Trish and, you know, the, the women who came in at first, but were actually, by that point, they were wrestling and doing more wrestling matches and actually performing instead of being written as boobs on TV. I always brought jazz up in the mix, and, and mom, mom always appreciated that because, like, oh, good, you're not only just watching this to get – I'm like, no, not only. Um, but to see jazz still going, and she had a great um, storyline involved with Jordan Grace and retiring from Impact, which is one of the few things I watched on Impact because you know who else is on that show. To yep. see jazz go back on the indie circuit, and the fact that she's wrestling Trisha Adora. Trisha Adora, I put the A on the wrong spot. Uh, I hope they're streaming it. I hope they put that match online. I don't know what's going on, but that title is, again, I argue, the most uh, gorgeous title on indie wrestling today, and it's being defended against Jazz. Shout out to that entire show also. Like, Black Girl Magic, I think, is going to uh, win a ton of awards, and it's going to be dope, and I'm personally extremely excited for it. But, yeah, like, growing up as a kid, like, Jazz was because I'm 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 very open about how like for a while like after my dad was a patriotator when I was younger so like my first introduction to pro wrestling was like uh, Frontier Martial Arts um so like I didn't get to like like this was my first era of WWF I skipped the Attitude Era so seeing this oh, person yeah. who I have seen in multiple different facets and 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 has been all over and now she is vying for a championship that we helped put something into is absolutely fucking mental to me. Like, I'm freaked I'm out over here. Twelve year old boy who like saw death for the first time. Like I was just I just watched a video yesterday where um it was Steven Richards and Victoria versus Trish and Jeff Hardy. And the ending segment was Jazz going and just clocking the fuck out of Trish in the back. And it was like, this was, like, believability was something that women's wrestling, for some reason, just never got the same the same uh, shake that men's wrestling did. But when she came out and tore arms, she just, believability was, like, her gimmick. Like, she... You could, believe like, she beat oh, the holy hell out God. of those people. It yeah. Was, yeah. Jazz... Well, I'm super stoked uh, for this whole show. And, and and make no mistake, as much as we're fluffing jazz, and I and I will after this again because jazz will go down as one of the greatest wrestlers that has ever been in the ring. And I know Craig will not argue that. Uh, and, um, but Trish Adora has a good chance of doing that as well. <laughs> Trish is so special. Um, what Trish has about her, especially as someone who I I didn't I. Because I'm so very new in the industry, and because especially, like, my, my position isn't, like, a normal wrestling position. Like, I'm not a booker. Yeah. I'm not a promoter. I'm, I you know, so hanging out with these people outside of just the wrestling aspect and seeing how just good of a person and the vibe that Trish gives off is, like, in everyday life. We, we smoke together. After the show, she rolled up. I rolled up. I gave Christian Robinson my vape pen, and we all just and, and Andino was there, and we all just sat in a circle and just smoked and vibed. And it was like you don't get this with everybody because you feel something artificial with most people in wrestling that's trying to get something. Like it was just everything she does is just so genuine. And on top of that, 
she's so fucking talented in the ring. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, 10 years down the line, we'll be talking about Trish the way we talk about Jazz, or we, we talk about all the other ones that came before us. I'm, and I'm not just saying this, and I do not mean Trish Trish's looks, even though Trish is a very beautiful woman. Um, when I met her the first time at, I think, I forgot what show it was at now. But I remember standing in the room and introducing myself, and I just felt that, that yeah. glow. Like, what? She stopped who, the room. Yeah, like, whoever when, this when person is, you're room, special. After the attention of everyone in the room. And not every, not every person can do that, let alone not every wrestler can do that. Like, there's maybe one person on a show that can do that. And Trish is that person for a lot of shows because she's a superstar. Uh, and, and just to add again, she is that good. Yeah. I, I really believe that. Uh, those listening to me right now, look up Trish Shadora on YouTube, find her matches, and you get back to me. And if you have anything negative to say, I'm not worried about it because that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, they can, they can be sleep if they want to. They just miss it. Oh, sure. I, I am not in the business of hitting people anymore. If you don't know what we're doing, and if you don't know what these dope people are doing, then it's not for you. You just got to miss out. Not everybody got Coke Black when it first came out in 2009, but now we got Coke Coffee and people got it because they missed out the first time. You have to wait 10 years to go get it again. So if you want to miss out on Trish, feel free in 10 years when she's in the E and she's a multi-time champion, you going to get her merch. It's all crazy. I'm not in the business of hitting people. Anymore. I mean, I am. I'll, I'll tell them they're crazy. But you're absolutely out of your goddamn mind if you don't. I'll do it. Uh, let's go back to Jazz for a second. I think... I, I and I and I know it's been uh, a horse that's been beaten to death a hundred times, but Jazz didn't look the way somebody didn't wasn't supposed to look, and that's the only thing that kept her from being on main events. I really I really believe, it. at least on the WWE. Yeah, yeah. There, there's um, there's no reason she shouldn't have been on top for a while. As I got older, like as I got younger, I thought it was the same thing. Now that I'm a grown 30, 30-year-old man who knows how this business works and knows it was a Kevin Dunn thing, how the fuck does this nigga keep a job? Like, all these people that he's held down and all these people of color that don't look like white, blonde, bimbo, bimbo Barbies that he just wants to continue to, to throw out there because that's his fetish and that's who he wants to fuck and he can't fuck him in real life, so that's how we have to book him. Like, I just don't understand how people like him have controlled this industry for so goddamn long. Frustrated to me, dog. I just don't. <laughs> Look at the rest of the world, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to tell you. That was rhetorical. You know what I mean. Because we've, al- <laughs> we've allowed it. We've allowed it. Look at what happened yesterday and how many Twitter p- people on Twitter were like, ah, everything's fine now. I'm like, no. Yeah, no shit's not fine. It was awesome to see, honestly. Everybody was like, this was, it was like the series finale of racism was this trial. I did not know that I didn't get the message that Netflix was putting out the series finale. Of they said guilty, and everybody's like, oh, thank God, racism is over. Oh, right, I don't yeah. worry about this shit no more. Like, it was just wild as fuck to see on the timeline. I think most of those people, and I and I know this is hard for Craig because he was in the middle of it when the protests were going down last summer, um, right at his front door. I believe that most people were just like, whew. I'm not going to be inconvenienced for a day and a, t- and yeah. a half. 
my streets will be clear. Black people are fine. Like, oh, everything is good. And do you guys not watch the NBA? That's majority black. Racism has been over for quite some time. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, that's, that's what happened yesterday in, in the guilty trial. was just like the... So, I was you know, just. We, what I we was, need is we need a, a Morgan Freeman to just narrate the final operation. Yeah, I was just very heartened to learn that there were so many armed guards waiting uh, at the ready for the verdict, whatever it was. Yet there weren't any around the Capitol building January sixth when there were tons of um, prior knowledge of something wild happening. Oh, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no ulterior motives there. Black people are going to be upset. When black people, when niggas are upset, you got to get the guns out. When yeah. niggas get upset, they're violent. That's how we've been paying it for the last 30 years. But white people yeah. were just having a small fist at the Capitol. So there was no need for security. They were just having a small little get together. There were sandwiches and cucumbers and shit. But when black people get upset because of, uh, some, we're not getting the justice that we have been fucking not getting for since I before I was born, before my dad was born, before my mom was born. When we don't get that and we get upset because rioting is the speech of the of the speechless. Rioting is the way that the people who aren't able to to get the point across they've been trying to get for so long, that's how they get the point across. Because all people in power care about is property, so why not destroy this shit? But because the black people started destroying shit, that or would have started destroying shit, that's when you got to get the, the national guard out there. Not when white people are destroying shit. It's, it's their shit. Why would they need to, 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 to protect it? They just build more of it. It's their money. Niggas don't get shit. I just, I'm not gonna, I, I can't even explain the edit to where the camera picked up on me when you dropped the last end. <laughs> just went to me doing this going I'm like great I don't even know why it cut to me I make no sounds yes Craig damn um, and I'm not offended by anything you, uh, you've said because you are correct <laughs> and you know that so uh, let's um, actually you know what I did want to make the one comment uh, I told Craig this I actually dropped the, the news to Craig about what um Miss Pelosi said, not to make this politically, but just to drive the no. point home. Just to drive the point home further. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I just, I can't, I don't fathom how you come to these words that, uh, thank, well, I mean, I do, yeah, but she's not like that. Uh, I want to thank Mr. George Floyd for his sacrifice. No, no, you know, fuck you. Um, Oh. When sports teams, when they, like, lose after a season, where they have good management, they usually go and they assess, like, what went wrong with the season, and they'll dump personnel, or they'll change the game plan. When the Democrats, right, when they had their season finale, when they were all in koofy hats kneeling, uh, generally, I would have gone to the drawing board and figured out what my game plan was and not done that. And what they did was, they tried to draft Eddie Curry when they had a dynasty Bulls team that they just decided to blow up. Uh, I just, I don't, this is what you get when you get old white people, particularly old white people in power, and you have to make them pretend to have empathy. That's all that is. That's all that is. I, I wasn't even shocked or surprised. It was more of why does Kevin Durant have a better PR team than the Democrats? 
<laughs> Why do people who are famous have better PR departments than the people who run the world? Like this. Well, except for the Raiders. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: the Raiders PR department is the Davis family, so there is no, there's no. They've been saying historically dumb things since black and white television. So they're again not something that I was really surprised. None of this surprised. Yeah. The biggest surprise to me was the guilty verdict. Everything that kind of happened after that was like, yeah, this is part for the course. Uh, again, uh, things, it was like watching the recap when you, whenever you watch a black movie and there was trial and tribulation and boom, now you go to the end of it and everybody's recapping on what they did after the movie. That's what this was. This white people recapping on how racism was over and how we all fought so hard to get racism done and that was done. Congrats. Thanks, baby. You know, you know, the best thing you would have done is just like I did not said anything. Yeah. Not my place. I didn't say anything. I didn't even say anything. And I'm black. Yeah, but you were observing. I just watched the shit go down. The only thing I tweeted was Nancy Pelosi thing because again, like how, how did that happen? Just your PR, like just, you know what, Miss Pelosi, don't say that. The rest of it, okay. Not that. Uh, and I did want to add, because it didn't get enough likes on Twitter, and this is the only time I was mad that it, somebody paid attention to it, that that Raiders tweet was the Davis hairline personified. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there. Which, this translates great into the trash talking about indie wrestling. And, um, oh, let's go. I erased it off the episode last week because I had kind of calmed down, and I was in the middle of not being mad and being kind of perturbed about it, but now that I've had time, more time away from it, I can give you more coherent thoughts. Wow. So, and I'm not going to name, you can name names. I'm not going to name names because I just don't feel like muting my Twitter. Um, I will name certain names. Let's just say it like this. Teddy Hart was showing up at wrestling shows. Yeah. And let's be straight up about it. Teddy Hart, phenomenal talent, is a abusive rapist, racist, douchebag, piece of garbage. Fact. Documented. Gone to jail. Fact. He was being permitted into wrestling shows. And it went on for a few days, maybe two, a day and a half, two, until uh, John Wayne Murdoch finally told him, after a match, very kindly and not so – he said it more eloquently than I did. You should leave before I hurt you. It was much more eloquent than I just said it. Um, and I made the point that that certain promoter – and you know who I'm talking about. Chris knows. Craig knows when I say promoter. I'm not talking about promoter wrestler or any of the talent. I said promoter doesn't care. That's why he was there. And a very famous wrestler stepped in and said, no, we do care. And with, I've got nothing personally bad to say. Joey Janelle has always been cool with us. He's been cool with me. I, I don't know of any issues with Joey. Uh, we're going to find out how this plays out, you know, years down the line or very soon when Chris's turn to talk. Um, but, Joe Janela answered, we do care. This is how it was handled. And I didn't reply. I was dead in the water if I replied. And again, I have no animosity towards Joey. 
and it wasn't about start. And I didn't want clout because if I want clout, I'm not making it on indie wrestling. Trust me, I've been down. I've been down that road when I was outing uh, uh, somebody who shouldn't have been employed as a, a camera guy, and the snooker defense was brought up to me. Oh, the the snooker defense. Well. We still book Snooker, and he bit his girlfriend. Should we stop beat? He killed his girlfriend. Should we stop beat, uh, booking Snooker? Yes. Yes. But, alas, uh, our, our reputation and credibility, blah, 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 blah. So I wasn't interested in fight with Joe Janela because I have no place. But who I'm talking about is the promoter. And the point I was making is this is proof that the power does not lie with the promoter. The promoters is a, are a conduit, and this is how it should be, and how it always should be. The talent, the fans, and the people working the show are the ones with the, the fucking power. And that's the way it should be. Promoters are there to facilitate. If you can't handle that, then give somebody else the promoter job. So Joey Janela handled it. The actual promoter, whose name we all know, who's now reactivated Jersey Championship Wrestling, so I'm real excited about that. Uh, never liked him. I think he's a scumbag. Uh, he's always been a scumbag, and he will always be a scumbag. Why are why? Here we are on the back end of speaking out. I brought it up with Lolo, and I guess it's claimed it's finally it's claimed two of its first people and Teddy and uh, Joey Ryan. But has it here? Because you, you just touched on a lot of points that I take your time uh, preach about daily. Let me take a different spin on this. Sure. Um, because I agree with 99% of what you said. I, I, I do agree that the promoter does hold responsibility here. But I'm not even going to – I don't even want to touch that part of the conversation. I want to bring up something completely different. Sure. Right? Um, so – you mean to tell me that for two straight days, all of these tough guys who have tough guy gimmicks, who specialize in portraying a character that beats people up and hurts people, and a lot of them are very protective of the business. So that image that they carry is supposed to be their image. People have have bitched to me about believability in wrestling for my entire time in wrestling, which granted has only been about like 20 months. You mean to tell me that these people who bitch about believability couldn't take the believability of their characters or the believability of them as, as human beings and go beat the shit out of Teddy Hart? We couldn't do that? We couldn't just go fix the problem. And as fans, right, instead of taking pictures of the niggas, instead of playing where's Waldo with this nigga all weekend, how come one of them didn't come up to him? Are we at a place in our in our business where we just can't tell niggas who don't belong in places they don't belong in places? Are we at the place of the wrestlers we can't go up to niggas and tell them, hey, look, if you don't go, we about to squab you? Good job on, 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 on John for doing that. But I mean, the, the other niggas, right? He was there all weekend. And this nigga's there that, that, that fight, right? 
they supposed to fight. Wasn't Bloodsport on that weekend? Wasn't he yeah. at Bloodsport? He was Wasn't at Bloodsport, he, yeah. The fighty ass niggas that were at Bloodsport? And you mean to tell me one of them niggas couldn't go handle it? You mean to tell me one of those dudes that were punch kicking all weekend and, 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 and not slapping the thigh because slapping the thigh is wrong in pro wrestling and you shouldn't do it so you got to make contact. They couldn't go contact with Eddie Hart? We had to wait to do it. And you want to bitch to me about believability of pro wrestling? I don't believe none of you niggas are who you say you are because it took so long to do it. It took John Wayne Murdoch and Joey Janela to throw this dude out. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about Joey Janela. Fuck that nigga. When I see him, I'm going to beat his ass too. But that's neither here nor there. I don't talk about bitch niggas. I don't like no more. That's what it is, what it is. At the end of the day, we as people in the business, as a, 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 we are supposed to protect this business, right? Because if we, if we want to be, actually, no, abandon that point because I just thought of it in a completely different point. All these fans that were taking pictures, right? And were doing it and getting all the follows and getting all the retweets but didn't actually do anything is a microcosm for all of this pro wrestling shit and how y'all all feel about actual issues. Y'all don't actually put in the work. Y'all don't put in the labor. Y'all don't put in the resources. Y'all don't put in the money. Y'all don't care. Y'all say y'all, y'all make y'all statements. Y'all put them out there for the retweets and the clout. But apparently only people of color can have clout to a disadvantage because when we say something and we point out an inequity and we point out something or if a woman pulls out something or if someone who's a marginalized person in this industry says something, they're doing it strictly for clout because there could be no other reason why they would have this problem because all the other people who are just like them were complacent as fuck too. And whether it was on purpose or whether they had to to keep their spot they were complacent to. So when one of these people who, these fans and these promoters and some of these wrestlers see are smaller than them, they don't know who they are, therefore their point is irrelevant. You need clout on the app to even have an opinion. You need clout on the app to be able to even speak your mind. But if you then try to speak your mind and you don't have it, or if you're somebody they don't know, if you're somebody they don't like, whether you kick through the way that you're not kicking through, women don't see that shit. They don't, clout is not real. Clout is made up by white people. Clout is not real. So all these niggas talking about how you're saying this clout, people are saying this clout. What does clout get you? What bills has clout paid you? Because I don't got no clout credit score. Looking around at all that clout. I went on Experian the other day, and they ain't say shit about clout. He didn't say nothing about clout. TransUnion, that shit ain't say nothing about clout. Cash App don't got no clout shit. I was, I was freaking out at home because I was like, people were like, because people were replying to the Janela tweet about, well, you know, just clout. They were using that word, dude. And I said, I watched a company cover up a dude who was beating his wife in and out of the locker room. Fuck your clout. Fuck Brindy. Burn it down. I don't care. But why are you not standing up to this guy? Because they don't care. Nobody that's what cares, I and that's the problem. <laughs> the problem is that these niggas don't care as long as they get their little $60, as long as they get trans, as long as they get to do their cool little flip, and as long as they get to do their gimmick, the wrestlers don't care. As long as the fans get their flip, as long as they get to chant the little chant, as long as they get the... 
And as long as they get to do whatever they want to and interact with these niggas so they can pretend that they have an actual interpersonal relationship instead of a consumer buyer relationship, then they're going to keep doing what they want to do. Niggas don't care. They just care for, for appearances. I, 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 I cared because my friend was getting beat up. And, I, and you know, they make it personal about how I look and how the one guy who I have no problem with because he didn't mean it this way, who who listened to our show when I brought up Sammy Callahan's who I'm talking about, again, because, you know, I'm the problem that keeps bringing it up. And, and he said, well, these guys sound like a bunch of nerds. I don't care. I'm 37. I got a wife. I got a house. I got a dog. I got friends who like listening to the show. I got people who come and chat with this room. I got a job when there's not a pandemic. I don't give a fuck if I look like a nerd to you. I don't care how I look when I get mad. You're wrong in this situation. Oh, I don't. I love that. I love when people use my appearance to try to negate my oh, yeah. point, or or they'll try to get their their following to come get me. Like. You can't whoop me. So what? What is your? What does Twitter do? I can log off Twitter and all this shit goes away. Like if you can't whoop me in real life, then what are we talking about? What are I, we tweeting about? Dude, I made that point uh, months ago. I said if I deleted Twitter, shit in my personal life doesn't change. You have no power over me anymore. You lose all that clout, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Seventeen hundred. Yeah, I'm getting paid with seventeen hundred followers. Clout was worth more than those. Woo! Yeah, all that clout with my wife. She started off. Who doesn't even she? Yeah, man, you you gave hell on Twitter today. I love you. Come into the bedroom. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, totally happens. Let's um. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that conversation before I bring it back around to more happier things? Uh, I don't. I don't have too much more time either. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to bring it around to end on a happy note. What is coming up next for Fight Club? Oh, oh, I get to promote. Oh, yeah, hell yes, you do. Why are you here? Uh, yeah. Talk shit, honestly. For Cloud. We just filmed a six-week series called Mochella. Mochella, uh, Moe's are a citizen of D.C. Everybody in D.C. is a Mo, and so this is Coachella for Moe's. It's a six-week. Uh, it's got uh, music appearance, musical appearances, comedian appearances. It's got comedy sketches. It's got pro wrestling. It's got stories. It's what we're doing to try to transform the world of pro wrestling on a smaller scale. At some point, it'll debut on IWTV. I'm literally editing the show as it speaks but we've got something really cool as it goes on trish is there billy's there we've got some surprises as well we think it's really cool uh we're just i hate the way pro wrestling is presented it's presented boring as fuck and so i figure if we can throw like some cool music videos and shit and we can and throw some comedy in there and have a concurrent story then it would be cool as hell so that's what we're doing now we are working on mochella that is finished taping and that should be out very soon. Now you told me right before you leave. You told me something. Uh, are are you um, still vacating the business soon, or you just? So here's the thing. I'd like to talk about that briefly too. Yes, there was a point when I was going to quit. Uh, there was a point where I was done with pro wrestling. What Mochella taught me is fuck these niggas. Honestly, um, I, a lot of what I do in pro wrestling is I want to help pro wrestling. I love pro wrestling. But if people want to use this clout shit or people want to come at me for the way I talk on my appearances and the way that I've been portrayed in, in, in on whatever or the way that my people have been portrayed or whatever, if they can't whoop me 
then I, their opinion is irrelevant to me. If they're not helping me move this forward, if they're not helping me progress this craft, if they're not helping me get these niggas out of this business, then we have nothing to talk about. That's why I love people like Lo. I love people like Billy. I love people like Suge. I love people like Trish. I love people like Darius. I love people like Seahawk. I love people like X. I love them niggas because they progressed this shit more than anybody ever could have progressed it. So that's why we do it. So unless it's one of those niggas, I don't want to hear it because they can't whoop me. At the end of the day, it's a bunch of pro wrestling niggas who do fake shit. And I'm not fake. So what's, what's good, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, Motella is dropping very soon. Chris, I know you got to go, so just drop your tw- – well, drop where people you would like people to follow you. Uh, you can follow me at the Chris Kazama on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and you can follow Fight Club at – P-A-W-D underscore W-C on Twitter and Instagram as well. Follow there before you follow me because you're going to unfollow me. Too, you follow. Watch Fight Club. They're friggin' awesome. I couldn't put thank them over you. anymore. Do it. Thank you for coming on, man. Hey, thanks, man. I didn't know if we were going to cover it, Craig, until Omega texted me mm-hmm. to talk about it. And we both eloquently kind of at the same time said, look who's still employed and who isn't. Why are those people released and the other? And I'm referring to, to, to piggyback off our episode with Kazama, uh, terrible people in wrestling being allowed to still be around. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about Velveteen Dream mm-hmm. and uh, why they're still there. So I decided, you know what, I guess we're going to discuss it on the show. Uh, and the first person I want to bring up, because he was also touched upon on the last episode, was Kevin Dunn. Was Kevin Dunn, which is why certain people were released and weren't because of their looks. And and Chris uh, Kazama said it much more eloquently. I won't repeat what he said because not only will I sound like a fool if I try to repeat it, it's much better if you let him do it. So go to our episode and find out uh, episode A on YouTube. Um, he likes a certain type, which is big boobs, blonde hair, and that's what he they are going to keep. It, and I just wanted to bring up the point for many reasons, but especially the way the show looks, that I think the wrestling world, Chris, you first has evolved past the use of Kevin goddamn Dunn. I'm so tired of seeing him. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can argue that for a number of WWE employees in high positions, I think. That's true. Um, Yeah, I would say Kevin Dunn is definitely one where I would say that particular – that particular uh, method of thinking about wrestling in 2021 is certainly outdated, borderline inappropriate, um, and just really doesn't make sense, particularly given the two women who were universally acclaimed in the first night of WrestleMania's main event, who are not blonde, <laughs> you know, who are not big boobs, aren't even white. Honestly, so uh, you know if if I don't I don't get it, you know. And the thing, reality is, in any industry you're going to be in, you're going to have um, 
people uh, who have been around for a long time, uh, who are stuck in their ways of thinking, and you know probably have been successful over a period of time and know the way things are supposed to be done. Um, Kevin Dunn is probably one of those people, uh, almost certainly. Uh, you can argue Vince McMahon is one of those people. I would probably disagree with you. Um, he, you know, I mean, he's, he is certainly stuck in his ways, but I think if you kind of look over time, he embraces the innovation, if you will. Maybe not towards his women's division, necessarily. But I would argue – I would only – I would only argue look of the show as well. That's the name we all look to as the director. Mm -hmm. Does anybody on this show watch the show and think, that looks great, all these cuts and jumps and shaky cams. It's fine. It's fine. Leave it the way. So in many – I completely understand what you're saying and why he – of course, why he's been there that long. But two main reasons to the reason he should be at least in a locked room with Vince somewhere. Go over there. Keep your hands off the buttons. Keep your hands off the girls. That's all I'm saying. I mean, hey, I mean, these they've gotten away with it for God knows how many years at this point, so they're not going to stop now. Oh, my God. Oh, just – WrestleMania looked – listen, through all of the stuff that we've dealt with the last year, uh, personally, you know, all of us at different levels – Obviously, pandemic and safety procedures, and and worried and just giving up being worried because people aren't going to listen and they're not going to listen. It was so nice to see a stadium with people in it and a wrestling show happen. And for God's sakes, I wish they held a camera still so I could see it. <laughs> for Christ's sake. And yes, I'm going to harp on it. Listen to me, people who are listening who are like, he's talking about it again. It looks like garbage. It looked like garbage when ECW was doing it. They were doing it because they only had two cameras. You've got 78 HD cameras, and one of them's 8K. <laughs> Stop it. it. It's more, you know, it, it can be tell. We can talk about the people that they, they kept, uh, but the people that they let go, and and every year, you know, we, we go through that. They're, they do their spring cleaning. But and usually I just think okay or or really I thought they were gone already, but um, this year more than any other I thought this was probably the most uh, egregious um, letting go of of people that not only had they had they just had recent success but they're still so viable that you can continue to use them, um, not just uh, a Bo Dallas who. Uh, again, he's in the the young part where you can get enough out of him. You can get something out of him. I mean, they've repackaged him before. And even if you just want to lift the veil and say, oh, yeah, this is Bray Wyatt's brother, do something with that. But again, a a guy that that, who's that talented and, again, so young that you can't find anything for, uh, Mickey James is used to. It is the second time she's been released and, you know, we know she's going to be okay. Uh, her husband's still working, so, and I think Mickey James is just another person that uh, will be in the WWE Hall of Fame when she's all done with her because she didn't leave on bad terms. She never has again. This is the second time she's been released, but uh, uh, Mojo Raleigh, you know, the, he was just a guy that I put him in the uh, in the Zack Ryder 
and ironically enough, they were tag team partners for so long because they were, those were two people that, you know, the boys liked, the fans liked, but just for some reason they just could never find something for it or never get over to a point where people would pay to see Mojo Rawley. You know, his, his relationship with, uh, with Gronk notwithstanding. But, uh, the, the biggest one, the, the iconics in Samoa Joe. I, I mean, for, for, for what reason? Um, the iconics are your first tag, you're, 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 when I said people that just had recent success, they were your first women's tag team champions. They were the first ones to defend the women's tag team title at a WrestleMania. They've been in the, they were on main event of the Elimination Chamber. Um, both of them were. When you broke, when they did the draft and you broke them up, I said, I, I've never been a fan of that. Um, like with their very first draft when they broke up the Dudley Boys, and that was a great success, especially with Reverend Devon and Deacon, and Deacon Batista. So you would think that I think, okay, well, they've learned their lesson. So if they're breaking up the iconics, they must have something big planned for both of them. Uh, no, not at all. And uh, Billy Kay, obviously, because she has the accent and she has the catchphrases and, you know, the, the gimmick of wanting to be hired by people, it, it works. But, um, and uh, Samoa Joe is just a, they dropped the ball on him so many, many times during his run there. Go ahead, Dan. Before before we continue, I just want to shout out to a, a former guest and a future guest because uh, she will be on again. Momo Jones, Momo Chan Jones is in the room. Momo C Jones, saying hi and how are you guys? I think we're okay. We're we're very venti tonight. You missed a very interesting <laughs> first half. We are a large coffee. We are venti. Yes, we, yes, venti. Yes, <laughs> you missed a very interesting first half. Uh, and that gentleman will probably be back on a little later. Um, but thank you for coming to the room tonight. We're talking about WWE releases right now, so please join in on the chat. I love you for coming into the room. Thank you. Uh, the Samoa, to go on the Samoa Joe thing. And I know Chris has got a lot to say about Samoa Joe. So I'm going to let him go after this. Um, and, and I'm going to tie this into, I'm trying, Craig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tie this into, uh, the episode before, we're talking about people who are still in the business and shouldn't be, uh, which goes right down to the WWE. Big old thread about Velveteen Dream on Twitter. Anybody search it and find it. Screenshots are there. We can say alleged. There, I, I know personally, I know one of the people who were proposition. Mm-hmm. He still has a contract. Yeah. That is a contract you could have cut. I know until investigation, I get it, but you're releasing people because it's release day. I'm sure Chris is going to tell me there's probably a legal thing coming. I, but it's some, it's Samoa Joe. How do you have somebody with so? And again, it goes to the list thing, big fat guy. The dude moves faster than most skinny guys. The guy is so. Overly talented. The only bonuses is I could probably uh, like. I'm going to be like that's the guy I want to talk to. He's independent. Mm-hmm. He's so overly gifted it hurts, both on the mic and in the ring, and apparently at commentary. Uh, actually, he had one of my favorite kind of throwaway moments when Michael Cole said WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania, yeah, and it happens like that. 
But you see Samojo go, the dumbest thing I ever heard, and then go, all right, I'll give it to you. It was, it was cracking me up. It was cracking me up. But I don't – we talk and we, we'll debate, and we're going to debate right now about writing and booking and how you screw that up. That one makes no sense to me. Everything is gifted to you on a silver platter. Samoa Joe could do it all, and you couldn't find something for him. Is blowing my mind, and how he's gone and other people aren't. Chris, correct me. I know it's coming. I'm not going to correct you on Samoa Joe, but I'm going to kind of go in reverse order, to kind of like kind of like Craig did. But oh, please do, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, your your point about Velveteen Dream and and others like that. Yeah, there's probably a legal thing. <laughs> It's probably an HR our rep uh, saying, "Oh no, not yet, <laughs> not yet." Um, I mean, that is that is prime for quietly run out the contract. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Get right right down to it. Just let the contract run out. It's go. You know, and then and then you have we just don't renew the contract. It's all fine. Um, so that being said. You know, as we look at the as we look at the spring cleaning, you know, and and, and to Craig's point, it happens every year, and you you expect a certain level of okay, so and so I haven't seen in months or years. Um, I get it, um, and, and there's definitely a few of those on there. The Mojo Rallies, uh, for example, um, Tucker, Bo Dallas, Tucker. Now, I, I would I would argue, and, and Tucker and Wesley Blake are two where I'm going to. They actually fall into the same category for me. Mm-hmm. Two guys who are in tag team, Blake and Murphy, NXT, and then Heavy Machinery, who had really good tag team runs in NXT, and even even Heavy Machinery's case, they never really got the ball rolling on the main roster, but probably could have. Um, and the, these guys who were broken away from a tag team and uh, just didn't weren't able to. Uh, are, are sacrificed on the on the we got on the creative enough, got nothing for you uh, altar is you know, missing the boat. I mean, am I gonna cry tears here? No, I think both of those guys will probably have an independent career and be able to do other things, pick up an NWA or Impact or whoever uh, wants to pick them up. Um, so I'm not gonna cry, you know, too much over that. Those are the kind of the mid-level business decisions where it's like, okay, you know, maybe they got a more expensive contract than we'd like. Um, so, so fine. And you're not doing anything with Dallas, even though he's Bray Wyatt's brother. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I, I would certainly argue that Bo Dallas is one where they dropped the ball on him. He probably had more to give. Was he ever going to be a main eventer? No. Fine. Um, you know, I, then I look at guys. You know, we'll go with the iconics. Again, this tag team where where people find tremendous success in a tag team. They have a gimmick that works. They have a a dynamic that works. You don't need to break them up. Uh, You don't need to repackage them, especially the iconics. They weren't there as the iconics that long. This wasn't like a Dudley Boys or the Hardy Boys 10, 15 year type thing. This was. Uh, a year, year and a half, maybe, if that. Um, and 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 the fact is, yeah, I've I've said this before. I don't know who I was saying it to, but the iconics are are the individually they're fine. You know, Peyton Royce is the better wrestler. Billy Kay is the better character. The individually, uh, they're fine as a as a unit. As the iconics, they're better than the sum of their parts. 
Um, and that's really the missed opportunity there, particularly in a women's tag team division that doesn't have a lot of women's tag teams. You know, if you look at that tag team turmoil at WrestleMania, was there a team there that wasn't just really kind of a thrown together kind of act? Um, you know, I mean, Nia Jax, Nita Baszler have been tagging for a while, but, but they had success as singles wrestlers, Natalia, Tamina, you know, the Riot Squad is the only one that had any kind of longevity as a, as a team, <laughs> you know? Uh, so why get rid of the Iconics? I don't quite understand that choice. Um, again, I don't see, don't see either one of them, the women as, okay, future women's champions or, or something that's going to move the division long term. But I, I, don't, I don't see – it feels like a missed ball. Now, <laughs> I, yes. am incre- I am incredulous over the Samoa Joe release. It, you have here a guy. You, I, I'm going to compare him to his peer in WWE. And his peer is AJ Styles. And there is zero reason why Samoa Joe has not had the level of success that AJ Styles has had in WWE. I cannot see it. It is simply a missed opportunity. It is terrible booking. Sure, he's had some injuries. Fine. You have a guy who, in his injuries, he went and did commentary for like a year. (laughs) He was there sitting with Michael Cole at WrestleMania. In the ring. In, In the ring. He did every freaking thing that you asked him to do. And then basically a day after WrestleMania, you're, you're gone. You know, I, I do not understand a guy who has had so many tremendous matches, not only in WWE, because, I mean, you think back to his NXT matches, um, you think about his matches in TNA. I mean, I, I, I go back, you know, it was years at this point, so it's a long time ago, but... AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samojo, Triple Threat, and DNA. Amazing. Amazing, amazing match. And he's still doing things that bigger guys just shouldn't be able to do. You know, I mean, it's like him and Kevin Owens are, are very much the same kind of coin. Guys who are bigger that do tremendous things in the ring that you just don't understand how they do it, but, but, but they do it, and they do it tremendously well. Tell me a guy in WWE that is as menacing as Samoa Joe can be? Zero. Zero. None. <laughs> in my opinion. I do not see them. Yeah, I, I don't see them. I mean, there, there's plenty of guys that act intimidating. Um, maybe Brock. Maybe. But I would say Joe, Joe's better at it, more entertaining at it. Well, also, um, Brock's technically not there right now. Yeah, exactly. So Joe was it. Yeah, and I, I just don't. So, I mean, to me, this feels like a sacrifice. This feels like I need to show investors that I'm willing to cut somebody with a big contract who's talented, that I made the hard decisions here, and I, and I let Samoa Joe, a guy who, who did everything, who was talented on the mic, who was universally beloved, we said, you know what, this is the best thing for the company. But we're going to put some Canadian – baseball broadcaster on Raw the next night because that's a good idea. 
I mean, what I just don't I don't understand that choice. I mean, that's that's what flabbergasts me about this is, the, and you know that there was some, you know, I I, I I hesitate to say like, okay, look, there's some there's a big corporation around WWE. They have any number of factors that they have to consider when they're making these type of decisions. But you want to tell me that you have a guy capable as capable as Samoa Joe, and you can't find something for him, you're doing it wrong. About the uh, WrestleMania or anything, and then Craig, uh, please respond to what uh, Omega Squad said. I was talking to Dean about something else that was going on, you know, in indie wrestling. And and what keeps replaying in my mind with the whole Teddy Hart, with everything that has happened the last couple weeks around WrestleMania weekend – in indie wrestling, the last year, uh, the three uh, the words that keep bouncing around my head is loyalty in wrestling gets you nothing. It gets you nothing. Not anymore. Not anymore. Loyalty's gone. Doesn't get you anything anymore. Samojo, you brought up the Samojo doing everything that he was asked to do. Not only because it was his job, because it looked like he ca- it came across like he gave a shit, and it was like, hey, see it. And there is zero indication that he asked to be gone. So I don't understand. Uh, but loyalty in wrestling gives you nothing. Look at us, to be, Chris, look at us in 2013 when we were running with the one company and didn't cut them aside, just started also running with the other company and being involved with that company and doing things in the office with that company and doing things on camera with that company and helping run the shows, running the camera, running the commentary table, what happened with that other company? This is on a primitive level, not even Richter scale registering in the WWE landscape. I understand that. I'm just saying at a very basic level, loyalty in wrestling doesn't get you anything anymore. Craig, your response to Mr. Uh, Omega Squad and Samoa Joe. Yeah, I am and, and just as incredulous uh, because – and you, you kind of see uh, – we always saw AJ and Samoa on the same level because they've been intertwined throughout their whole careers, you know, from Ring of Honor to TNA. They've always been on, you know, the, the same the same level. Um, af- obviously, athletically wise, AJ is up here, but as far as ring ring work, Samoa Joe can hang with anybody, uh, and he's proven that throughout his whole career. But when you saw AJ debut at the Royal Rumble, one of the biggest entrances by any person coming from someone from from enemy territory. Yet Samoa Joe had to go through NXT. That was one. Of, that was kind of when I saw the writing on the wall, and Samoa Joe did his time, uh, and you know ended up with a you know with a broken jaw, you know, in his match with uh, Shinsuke, which started you know the the injury bug that him getting bit, which kind of might have delayed his uh, his ascension to the WWE. But once he got that, um, why are you? Uh, why would that? something that had to be uh delayed or, or where you were where you had and where he was who he was with. Seth the program with Seth and program with AJ for the world title. I'm sure AJ would have no problem doing a job for his his best friend, uh Samoa Joe, since all the and with Brock gone, 
that's a perfect opportunity for you to have a Samoa Joe, a badass monster heel that can run through everybody, who can back it up on the mic. He doesn't need a Paul Heyman to talk to him, to to talk for him, I should say. And you you could see yeah, in the minute that when Joe was released, all the Samoa Joe promos that were all over the internet where people say, you guys forget how good this guy is. Then when he walks into the ring and says, I'm going to whip your ass, you actually believe it. And you know that he could back it up. Um, this was a, um, a monumental uh, mistake. I, I, he seems to be in good spirits. Um, you guys oh. might have seen the, uh, the, the, the Twitter uh, conversation he had with CM Punk. You know, can't believe they got me, you know, that they paid me all this money. And it's like, yeah, you got that money, Joe, you know. So I'm sure he, he's okay. Uh, the uh, On the other side, playing devil's advocate, he, you have to look at his age. You know, he's on the other side of uh, of, of 45 or I uh, 48 or 46 or something like that. Same age as Lashley, same age as Shelton Benjamin, which is not old by any standards, especially not in the WWE. But – because he is that age, I'm, it, it's even more frustrating because this is the guy who should have had at least two world title reigns by now. If someone like AJ could, why couldn't Samoa Joe have at least two world championships by now? He's someone you could count on as a main event guy, as an upper echelon guy. Let me shatter the age thing, uh-huh. Chris, before you go. Undertaker, Sting, Hogan, Flair, I don't want to hear he's 40 goddamn five years old. I understand you're a devil. I'm not correct. I don't mean correcting you, Craig, and you're wrong. I'm just saying if that's the, if that's a reason, Ric Flair was 58 after a plane crash, if you want to talk about an injury, and his age. It, it just comes down to, you know, why wasn't, why wasn't his resume enough to get him a shot? You know, over Jinder Mahal, <laughs> for example. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, the, or or any other time. You know, or or one of Brock's many reigns, for example. You know, he there he was ended, you know, he could have ended one of Brock's reigns. He could have ended. He could have ended. They, they had the bad opportunity too, mm-hmm. and he could have done that. And they should have pulled the trigger then, and then you would have had a star that will be there when Brock up in Canada. But, you know, hey, I mean, it is what it is. I get the age thing. I get the injury thing. But the age, I mean, name me a guy that age that does the things that Joe does and does all the rest of it, too. None of them. Zero. Zero. To me, it just isn't any, unless he's not, unless he's AJ Styles. Uh, Chris, any other releases you want to touch upon while you're here? Uh, no, I think we kind of cover, covered most of them. I think it was, what, eight people released? Um, Ten. Mickey yeah. James. I would say Mickey James. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get that. I just think it's funny that she was on commentary, you know, you know, a couple nights before, and she didn't, you know, why give you a tryout on TV? I mean, there was no reason to to you know trot you out on TV in a in a in a color commentary role just to release you that three days later. I just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But but she's one where you know she probably had a lot more to give in her last year 
in WWE, then they gave her. I mean, I, they they effectively retired her without sure. saying yeah. so. And they, uh, she, she certainly had a lot more to give. I think certainly, you know, some of these some of the women coming up could have could have been helpful. I would think. I want to add to the iconics for a second. Um, they were one of the most entertaining things on any show they were on. And, and 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 I'll file them under the. I, I'm not debating in ring talent or anything of that. I'm talking about TV time and entertainment. Uh, a huge loss that is, and I will put that up against as far as entertainment wise. I think it is as impactful as Samoa Joe because they were so goddamn good. Just at an entertainment level, you get what I mean. They were so good that, in my opinion, it didn't matter that. They were in the women's division when they were out talking everybody on screen, man or fem- male or female, and that pisses me off because watching their their clips they're just so good and just as good as any other two duo in wrestling on the mic screwing with somebody or cutting a promo or just killing TV time. That those are the two that you get that you that you let go. They, they fit that mold. They fit that piece of an established tag team that can actually do something entertaining. And and there really isn't a replacement for them right now. Hey, but Dana Brooke. But Dana Brooke, yeah. I mean, and I like Dana Brooke. I don't have a problem with Dana. Brooke. I don't have a problem with Dana Brooke in any aspect. I'm just saying, <laughs> does it make any goddamn sense? And I, I'm just saying, you just made a. Three billion dollars was it a billion dollar? It was a billion dollar deal oh, with yeah. NBC Peacock to put your friggin' good app on Peacock and completely piss all over it and make that money just to release these people. It, it, you must be it, joking it, me. It, it's a convenient excuse to say we're cutting cutting talent. No, it's bullshit. It's a we all know. Listen, we all know it's bullshit. It's bullshit. I mean, there 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 is no reason. Even as a public company, the WWE can't fund the the, the those salaries, in my opinion. I, I don't see. I don't see it. You know, if you want to say you're optimizing and you got so many people coming in from NXT and stuff like that, fine, cool. Um, and like I said, there's some releases on there where I'm going to say fine. I can see why you would make that decision. Yeah, like um, Mojo Rally. <laughs> like Mojo Rally. And <laughs> uh, Kalisto. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't talk about Kalisto, but he's another one. I mean, sure, yeah. fine, but was he going anywhere? No. No, not really. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it just reads to me as you look up and down the aisle, up and down that list. It's like there's some that make sense, and there's, you know, that, Two or three that are like it's certainly the iconic Samojo. We're just like, what are you doing? This makes no sense. And do you, do you consider that against some of the other people that are still on the roster? Um, and you you have to, you have to wonder what they're seeing that we're not. And I, I just, as an outsider, just a consumer of the product, and watching. Twitter feeds and things like that. It just seems to me that there aren't any number of other people, any number or combination of people that you could have cut and kept Joe. I agree. And well, just the whole direction of the WWE, I, I'm, I have not been a fan of. We, I, we've talked on this very podcast 
how quickly you had the you had the single best heel faction in all of professional wrestling. And I'm including AEW, which is like a heel fact, which is like a stable factory. It's like you can't be on AEW unless you're part of. I was gonna say it's literally AEW heels. Yeah, and that's it. But you have the hurt business. Uh, you have they controlled all three world titles, and just like that, they're gone. And now I hear Vince is soured on the whole hurt business deal, which I know that has a lot to do with Kevin Dunn. Like, why would you just – they went from World Tag Team Champions to just nothing, to not even being on WrestleMania a week before WrestleMania. You had all three world champions in one stable, MVP at the helm, the number one stable in all of professional wrestling. Uh, you know what? I don't like those guys. I don't, I don't get it. So we'll, 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 we'll give it to AJ and almost. You know, because I want to, because New Day entertains me because they're they're the happy go lucky joking, uh, they're the black tag team I want to see the happy go lucky jokey you know slapsticky kind. I don't want these serious guys. They don't move the needle for me, so I don't know what I don't I don't see anything that way. And that's what I heard Vince said. He didn't. He soured on the hurt business on Shelton and. and this is good. I'm business. soured with Vince existing still. Yeah, but that? I know that. But I know that has a lot to do with Kevin Dunn too, of him souring on them. But you had a, uh, um, I don't know. I, but, it, but it comes full circle. Mm-hmm. There's money to be made in diversity in 2021, and they're leaving it on the table. Oh, they <laughs> have I mean, a week. I mean, I mean, it, and and. Yeah, I mean, they're, and you, for, of course, you'd look at the Hurt Business, you say, okay, look at what they did with the Hurt Business, but look at what they did with Sasha Banks and, and Bianca Belair. And it's like, okay, yeah, fine, but you could have done both. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's no reason in 16 hours of broadcasting a week on different apps and channels that you couldn't have done both. Yeah. No. Well, you know, it, 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 you know what, was it, what was it two years, three years ago? You had Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka winning the Royal Rumble. Yes, the, the Royal Rumble that we saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. Nope. But yeah, you know, we don't we don't need two Asian champions. <laughs> now they granted Asuka's had her time since yeah. then. But has Shinsuke? Nope. No. Shinsuke is another Samoa Joe. Yeah. You know what's what happens next year. I don't know. And and two guys that you dropped. I mean, with Shinsuke came in just like you know from NXT came into the house of you know all the momentum in the world, and you know he's the biggest over guy you know Japanese superstar that you have. Yeah, they would sing his song during matches. The best freaking theme music in professional wrestling. You have lightning in a bottle. You're not going to get this from any other Asian superstar ever in this millennium. But now, now it's all gone. And then we'll turn him heel, and then I don't want people singing his song anymore because he's a bad guy. <sighs> Asians aren't allowed to be good. Yeah, that's that's, good. that's that's what that's what you're telling me, Vinny. Yeah. Not okay. Yeah, not some tiger mask. Stupid. Yeah. It's so stupid. Uh, speaking of stupid, uh, do you guys have any reason why or do what we know of why Charlotte has been suspended? Um, obviously, the reason is she beat up a referee and many officials, and she went berserk, but she's been 
find a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, it's 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 garbage. It, it it it's it's bull, it's BS. It's for TV. I, yeah, I, yeah, but I want to. Was there a legit? Is she going? No, no, it's TV. Is she hurt? No, okay. no, 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 okay. no, no. no. It, it's okay. TV. I've been I've been um her and our old friend Bandito, uh-huh. um, who is a, Eddie Arango, who is a, a referee over WWE. We're kind of going back and forth on Twitter today because somebody drew a picture of. Uh, Charlotte as Hulk smash and it was just beating the holy hell out of, of him as the referee. Yeah. And uh, they were kind of going back and forth. So I was like, ah, got it. Got it. No, no, it's, it's, she'll be back. It's, it's all, I, I mean, believe was, it's all angle. There was some rumor that this was fallout from Andrade's. Okay. Yeah. Punish a flare because yeah, that makes sense. Did not even get yeah, started on don't get me started on that crap. Ugh. Yeah, but the, but curious as to who is still there. Um, Alistair Black was not released. Yes, that is that is an interesting one. But he he is doing new promos. Okay. I um, but I like Alistair Black. But they do. But here, uh, remember what we talked about Bray Wyatt last week. Here, let me just throw a wild card out there. Mm-hmm. You book Bray Wyatt to be this unstoppable thing. You have him lose all the time. Well, you're wasting the time. Release that dude. Yeah. Since you one of the since she, it means nothing to you. Hey, you just freed up time and money. Yeah. But speaking of time and money, did you did either one of you happen to see the uh, Sunday night WWE three hour? Power Hour that they had. No, the A and W biography on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, I, I watched the biography. Yeah, eight to ten. Okay, and the following after that was the uh, WWE's Treasure Hunt with Nick Foley. Wasn't interested. Okay. Um. The, yeah, the A and E biography on this guy was um spectacular, really. I and I I know the story of Steve Austin very well, but even to hear him tell it. There was stuff I, I, I didn't know. And it's the first time he actually talked about how lean the times were and that what indie wrestlers and what pro wrestlers now will never have to go through, namely driving themselves from town to town to make, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, uh, or in Steve Austin's case, living off of tuna fish and, and raw potatoes uh, to, to feed himself uh, after, after dropping out. Of uh of high school and the and the, after dropping out of college I should say um just a, a great story and I realized that he is one of on the Mount Rushmore of of game changers in professional wrestling there aren't there's very few people that change the game you know uh, Dan we talked about this on the wrestling historian episode a, a couple weeks back his match with with Bret Hart where they turned heel babyface. Uh, changed the entire company. That took the company in a whole different direction. That they rode a wave that you know was um, they hadn't seen since the early '80s, since the last guy that changed the game, and that was Hogan. Because when I think of game changers in professional wrestling, I have to put Austin up there with Hogan, uh, with Buddy Rogers, and with Jim Londis, the three guys that were absolutely instrumental in making professional wrestling what it was, if it wasn't for those four guys and the trajectory and where they we could see where professional wrestling could go, uh, it was it. 
and watching Austin's story was really um, uh, captivating and eye-opening to how uh, it's weird. It's like you didn't know. Uh, I think it was uh, might have been Ed Helms who said in the office, "You don't know about you're in the golden years till you're in them." You know, we were watching Austin in the glass breaking enough, going crazy and buying new shirts, which was still a bestseller, by the way. Yeah. Hogan, Hogan, one of those game changers. No one's buying Hogan shirts, but they're still buying Austin shirts. Um, but you, you didn't realize what, how how big he was and how how huge he was and the impact that he had and how much he sacrificed. You know, he's just now getting a relationship with his daughters. You know, multiple marriages and you know, uh, always a loner. Uh, he was a guy that didn't. Everyone else had a crew, and he talked about his relationship with The Rock. Uh, they would always end up. They would never travel together. They would end up in the arena together, you know, on, you know, on the days and go over the match, and then they would go their separate ways. But they never, you know, hung out together. They never, you know, were. I don't think I've ever even been in the same car at the same time, which I I just thought was great. So any HIC talk uh, radio uh, listeners, wrestling fans, if you hadn't seen the A and E biography, and they're doing one, I think it's a six part series. Um, with some never before seen uh, stuff, and they're talking to the relatives and the friends of these people. Uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin one was amazing. Next, this coming Sunday is Roddy Piper. Cannot wait. Did you you did say you saw it, Dan? Oh yeah. Are we still discussing? Yes, I saw yeah. it. It was yeah. fine. Fine. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like a Genesis documentary comes out. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I know. Cool. Yeah, I know this. <laughs> I've heard this before. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're the Genesis documentary that came out on Showtime in 2013, 14, and they were getting songs, titles wrong and and years wrong, and I'm yelling at the goddamn television, and like, oh, my God, that's like, no! <laughs> you know, it was on the heels of that amazing Rush documentary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. Amazing movie. And I'm like, oh, Genesis is going to get a, a document? Oh, great. It was great. That came out in 1970. What the fuck? <laughs> I, was, I was so mad. Um, when you know more than the management allows, go out in the document. And then I get mad. But, no, it was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. I just was like, yeah, I've seen it. I, that There's that one that came out, the one that was unassociated with A&E that had all that footage of his kids at the time yeah. that I have on Blu-ray, that's better. And yeah. I only say it's better because, because they have the unedited footage of the ECW stuff. Yes. Okay. Which, where and they didn't show it, which mm-hmm. was odd to me in that edit where they explain where he cuts that spontaneous yeah. promo. No, baby, that's what somebody else we're going to use. We're going to do what you're doing, right? You know, whatever. He was doing the dusty thing. And when he's done the promo, you hear everybody clapping behind him. Yeah, They didn't play that. It's all on there. And that's the one I prefer. But it was fine. I'm more interested in the Roddy Piper one. Yeah. And the reason I'm interested in the Roddy Piper one is, is if you don't remember, right before he died, he was let go by the WWE because of something he said that upset Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh And I'm really hoping there's an apology. Yeah. 
Now, see, now Piper is the one that I will that I will that I will be the judge of because with with Austin, I pretty much knew everything. Where Piper, I think I pretty much knew everything, and I've seen all, all every documentary on him. Yeah, I but. Heard from, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, that's why I'm waiting for the yeah, but because I haven't heard from his family members or his yes, his, that'll his be interesting. Or his, his wife, that's why I want. And Mr. T's in it. Yes, it's even more. So. I, I, I hope he now. I he I hope he's honest. Because I've only heard the Piper T stuff from Piper's point of view, and yeah. I know Piper, and Piper's been known for some hyperbole. But I like to hear slightly. Yeah, yeah. Chris, did you uh, have any interest in seeing it? I might wait, try to check out the Piper one. I haven't. I didn't get a chance to see the Stone Cold one, but um, okay. The Piper one would definitely interesting. The Piper one looks interesting because it looks like they have recent footage that I've not seen before in interview for. Yeah. I, I they looks like they have the Portland stuff, the uh, Don Owen stuff. Yes, the, uh, yes, the yes, 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 stuff that yeah. And it's yeah, and I saw Rick Flair from the, if they have any of the Mid Atlantic stuff that got him his WWF gig. That's one I want to see too because his, his Mid Atlantic stuff was gold. Just a, a sidebar: uh, the, the Dark Side of the Ring season three has been announced. Yes, yes. and they're doing Nick Gage. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> holy shit. Because wow. Will that yeah. be a loaded story? I like how they're they're going they're you know, we as wrestling fans, we know all the big stories, but the fact that they're they would the second year in a row they're concentrating on the, the indie indie guys, the guys that never made it to the big leagues but still have fascinating stories. Last year it was New Jack and this year it's it's Nick Gage. So that That's I like a hell of a story. Yeah. Hell of yeah. A, Story of fucking things up and redeeming it. Yeah, I'm looking Twice. forward to the, the, the Brian Pillman story. That's a, that's going to be the yeah, the Brian Pillman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two, two hours. Yeah, I'll be interested in that one. Uh, I think that's all that's left on the docket is uh, historian uh, Omega Squad. Are you going to hang up, hang in for that? Sure, I'll hang in. Why not? Well then, Craig. Sure. Again, Craig, it is your turn to take over. My turn to take over. Of course, Chris, intercede anytime you want. <laughs> Got my first rodeo. Yeah, really. I don't know what I'm telling you for. Jeez. Good. I, I wish it was my first rodeo. That would explain all these cows. <sighs> hey, folks, thank you for joining us once again for this particular edition of the Wrestling Historian. We're going to go back to a time when there was wrestling in all 50 states, uh, no social distancing, no mask. People can cheer and boo their favorites and non-favorites in a safe, calm manner. Even jump over the guardrail and attack your favorite heel if you want to because it was real to them, damn it. And you can go from federation to federation. You can go from arena to arena. Go to, If you were a top-paid, sought-after, in-demand wrestler, you can do two shows in one day in two different parts of the country. That's the beauty of wrestling back then. This, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. Uh, we're going to start off on April 17th uh, in this week in wrestling history. And we were just talking about it in previous episodes, previous episodes to you, about 30 seconds ago for uh, Chris, Dan, and I. But... Uh, April 17th would have been the 67th birthday of Roderick Toombs, a.k.a. Roddy Piper. So, happy birthday to 
always be my second greatest heel in professional wrestling history. Uh, the guy got more heat than anyone in my generation uh, that I've seen or that I've known about. And people that only know him from the WWF, Rock and Wrestling, Piper Hogan stuff, great. But the stuff before that, um, the heat he got in the Carolinas, in Georgia, is absolutely epic uh, to the point where he was attacked at a restaurant with a guy with a butter knife and sliced up his chest. And he had to go to the promoter, Sandy Scott, right that night and say, you got to turn me baby face because you're trying to kill me for real now. And uh, there was a story that it was printed in the local, in the Charlotte Observer, that uh, Roddy Piper had been slashed. And because of the wrestling magazine, which was the only way wrestling fans like me back in 1983 could get any type of information, the story came out was that there was this knife-wielding maniac that had this little girl cornered in an alley, and Piper jumped in and saved her. And for his efforts, he got his knife flashed across his chest to save this little girl. And that's what turned him face <laughs> into Georgia Championship Wrestling folks and to the Mid-Atlantic folks. And to me, because I bought it, Chris, bought it. Thinker. what a hero. During this random alley and this little girl who Lord knows what she was doing there at night with this in front of a knife-wielding maniac, but Roddy Piper dove in front of the knife and took a slashing for this anonymous little girl, saved her life, and is thus a hero. Give that man a medal. <laughs> <laughs> so you can I, throw it in your face. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up, I, I also actually wanted to bring up last week, I, I missed out on a, uh, a passing in the wrestling historian. Uh, we lost one of the greatest Dominican wrestlers of all time, uh, Jackie Venino, uh, passed away last week. Jackie Venino, probably not known to anyone in the United States, but in Puerto Rico, he was huge, probably best known for his match against Ric Flair. Jackie Venino was the same height and weight as me, yet he was a national treasure in uh, in Puerto Rico, and he and Ric Flair sold out Bayamon Stadium to the tune of 25,853 people, and it was supposed to be an, uh, an hour draw, and with the classic, I don't think it was a dusty finish, but it was a Crockett finish. Uh, Ric Flair was going to be in a, in a sleeper hold at the 59-minute and 30-second mark, and the referee would call for the bell. Well, that's when Flair was out, and the match would be called a draw. Well, the Puerto Rican fans, as we know very well, and it's been very well documented, want their heroes to win at all costs. So when Flair saw the riot that was going to take place at the idea of a draw, he told Jackie to cover him and take the belt. And so Jackie Benino was in a, in a uncredited NWA title chain. Jackie Benino was awarded the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Didn't get out uh, to a few, lo a few you know, wrestling uh, magazines that covered it, uh, but it was never recognized by the NWA. So when Flair went back, he brought Roddy Piper with him as kind of like a bodyguard. Now, even though Piper and Flair were in a big-time feud in the Mid-Atlantic at the time where Flair was the heel and Piper was the face, Piper went back to, to, the, to Puerto Rico to watch Flair's back so Flair could regain the championship. And Piper did it not only as a favorite to Flair, but 
he was paid in cocaine, which is why he did it. So, um, uh, the hope, 80s. yeah, uh, the 80s. I hope they talk about that in the Piper upcoming Piper, because you know what Piper talked about all those all the terror stories that Piper wrestled in. It was only it wasn't a lot. It was in uh, in Portland with Don Owen in in the Mid Atlantic, and then he was commentator for Georgia Championship Wrestling. And then he went to the WWF, but he did a short run in Florida, and he was a Florida heavyweight champion for a little bit. And I found out later that it was only there because he was only in Florida because they had the best Coke that he could get there. So Makes sense to me. Yeah, so uh, April 17th, happy belated birthday to the late, great Roddy Piper. Uh, April 18th, big day. Uh, I, I mentioned at the outset of the program, if you were an in-demand wrestler and how wrestling back in the day, you can do two different shows on the same day. Well, April 18th, 1981, uh, I knew exactly where I was. I was right here, Philadelphia, at the beautiful air-conditioned Philadelphia Spectrum, to watch an afternoon card um, of Pat Patterson uh, defeating Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Bob Backlund. Uh, retaining the WWF Heavyweight Championship against Killer Khan. And it was supposed to be Andre the Giant and Tony Gurria versus the Moondogs. Well, <laughs> yes, but... uh, uh, King, well, you know, Sailor White, had a problem with his visa. was no longer allowed back in the country at the time. So he was replaced. It was uh, Rex and uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Even though Slaughter had already wrestled Pat Patterson earlier that afternoon, he was in the tag team match with one of the Moondogs against Andre the Giant and Tony Gurria. Uh, so a sergeant started pulling double duty. Speaking of double duty, uh, Andre, after being in uh, Philly, he had to had a flight to catch. By the way, that same card, Patterson and Slaughter and Bob Backlund versus Killer Khan and even Tony Atlas versus Hulk Hogan which would be Hulk Hogan's last match in the WWF that I got to see, Tony Atlas pin Hulk Hogan. They did that same card 130 miles down the road in Landover, Maryland, that exact same card, except for Andre the Giant, because while Andre the Giant was right here in Philly that afternoon, that night, he was in the Superdome, teaming up with Dusty Rhodes to go against the team of the Grappler and Super Destroyer for the World for the Mid-South Tag Team title tournament. Other teams in that tournament, the Freebirds, Afa and Sika, the Samoans. Afa and Sika, who you may know as co-stars of Young Rock on NBC, Tuesdays at 8 o'clock on NBC, uh, and Andre and Dusty. Alas, Andre and Dusty did not win the tournament. That will be the first loss ever. Boo! Yes. Uh, eventual champions would be Dick Murdoch and the Junkyard Dog. But that was one day. He had matches at the Spectrum, Landover, Maryland. And the Superdome, and Andre the Giant pulling double duty, Philly in the afternoon, New Orleans that night. And April 18th, 1986, folks, was the beginning of, drumroll, Amber? No? I was asking Amber. Um, She's off now. Road Warrior Weekend, gentlemen. Woo! I got to see stop number one, but check out this schedule, Road Warrior Weekend. It started April 18, 1986, right here in Philadelphia at the long-forgotten Philadelphia Civic Center. I got to see 
Forgotten uh, by who? Not me, but uh, <laughs> I got to see the uh, six-man uh, main event of Dusty Rose, Ronnie Garvin, and Wahoo McDaniel take on the Horsemen, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. And the NWA Tag Team title that I thought would change hands, but it didn't. The Road Warriors defeating the Midnight Express by disqualification. That was April 18th, Friday, April 18th, 1986 in Philly. Let's go to Saturday, part two of Road Warrior Weekend. Saturday afternoon in the Charlotte Coliseum, in the Greensboro Coliseum was day one of the all-day Jim Crockett Sr. inaugural tag team tournament. And the Road Warriors in the afternoon would defeat the team of Wahoo McDaniel, Mark Youngblood, former NWA Tag Team Champions, and the Midnight Express. And that night, the Road Warriors uh, would defeat the team of Magna TA and Ronnie Garvin for the, to win the first annual Jim Crockett Memorial Tag Team Cup. And I'm sorry, that took place in the Superdome, 1986. So, uh, Five years earlier, Andre was part. Andre and Dusty were part of a tag team tournament, and 1986, the Road Warriors were part of a tag team tournament. This one for the Jim Crockett Memorial Tag Team to the first annual, and the Road Warriors would wrestle three times, beating Wahoo McDaniel, Mark Youngblood, the Midnight Express, and finally Magnum T.A. and Ronnie Garvin in the finals to win the uh, the opening. The afternoon was uh, they did 3,500 fans. And at that evening, they did 13,000 fans. Uh, one of the great uh, matchups during that tournament was the Fantastics defeating the Fabulous Ones, and which was blasphemy because the Fantastics were a carbon copy ripoff of the Fabulous Ones. But they were both there at the Superdome in the uh, Jim Crockett Memorial Tag Team Tournament. That was April 19th. April 20th, day three of Stay With Me. Road, Road Warrior, Warrior Weekend, Weekend. <laughs> was the inaugural, the first, last, and thank God only at the Hubert R. Humphrey Metrodome in Minnesota, AWA Russell Rock. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. You haven't lived until you heard Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels doing the Russell Rock rap. No, you haven't lived unless you, if you tried to watch it, it takes 18 years off your life. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the Road Warriors in the main event in a cage against the two guys that they say cost them the AWA tag team title. Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, Road Warriors, would win that bout. So... For Road Warrior Weekend, they wrestled one, two, three, four, five matches undefeated. Um, they won the Jim Crockett Memorial Tag Team Tournament, but not one tag team championship did they win. But the Road Warriors in those three days, five matches in front of 55,000 fans total. Uh, but that was wrestling back in the day. You're a big name big ticket item like Andre. He could wrestle in Philly in the afternoon and the Superdome that night. And if you were the Road Warriors, you can wrestle for the NWA for two shows and then the AWA on a Sunday. That was wrestling back then. Those days are long gone. Possibly These days it. we're releasing Samoa Joe. 
Yes, <laughs> it's your relation to the mojo. But I wanted to point out not only the Road Warriors, but the other uh, two other people that were on all three cards during Road Warrior Weekend. Wahoo McDaniel and Jimmy Garvin were both in Philly, both in the Superdome for the uh, Crockett Tag Team Tournament, and were both on AWA Russell Rock. So, um, yeah, also the fabulous ones were in the in the Crockett Cup Tournament, and they also wrestled on AWA Russell Rock. And the fabulous ones wrestled in their first and only AWA match ever. The fabulous ones lost to the team of Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Um, the only time they ever wrestled in the AWA or for an AWA card because they were not no longer in, in the WWF and no longer in the NWA. So they were kind of free agents. Um, so that was Road Warrior Weekend. Uh, I also wanted to point out um, April today in wrestling history, April 21st. April 21st, 1980, a very important date because Ken Patera defeated Pat Patterson for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship to become only the second Intercontinental Champion ever. What makes this match so historic, gentlemen, because that's the first time the Intercontinental title ever changed hands in the ring. Because if you recall, Pat Patterson won his Intercontinental Championship in a grueling one-night tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So April 21st, 1980, was the first time the Intercontinental title changed hands in the ring. Uh, also, uh, on this date, we lost a um, an important figure in professional wrestling that a lot of fans, um, at least fans on this side of the country, wouldn't know about. Uh, uh, April 21st, 2015, we lost Ron Wright. Uh, Ron Wright, uh, to any Southern wrestling fan, that name is synonymous with heat. Um Ron White, Ron Wright, probably the most notorious wrestler ever in the history of Eastern Tennessee. Uh, he was the number one box office attraction from 1952 to 1958. His man, his matches with his best friend Whitey Caldwell sold out uh, every Eastern Tennessee uh, wrestling organ, wrestling arena, Knoxville, Chattanooga. Uh, Ron Wright was uh, just notorious for his matches with uh, his good friend, Whitey Caldwell. They broke in at the same time. They were best friends. But their matches were, you know, Johnny Valentine once said, I can't make you believe wrestling is real, but I can make you believe I'm real. The matches that Ron Wright had with Whitey Caldwell were pretty much real. They would wrap chains around their hands and hit each other very, very hard. And uh, the heat that Ron Wright got was very real. He was legitimately shot at three different times. He was slashed by a fan uh, on the back with a straight razor, which, which needed 160 stitches to close. Uh, to go to different shows in the Tennessee area and Smoky Mountain area, he, uh, he learned to fly. He, was a, he chartered a private plane and would fly himself to, uh, to gigs. Well, fans found out uh, where his plane was, and they burned it to the ground. That's the amount of heat that Ron Wright had in Eastern Tennessee back when I said at the outset when wrestling was real to them, damn it, and it was. So much so that when Ron Wright was in a very damaging car accident, 
Uh, he was supposed to be in the main event at uh, Mid-South Coliseum. When they announced that Ron Wright had been in a serious car wreck, the fans cheered. <laughs> That's heat, folks. That's, and it's, and there's a point where right. they, yeah. that'll, that'll kick you off Twitter these days. Yeah. Yeah. What? Wow. Right. How dare you? Clutch my clutch pearl. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was someone that uh, that uh, Jim Cornette was very enamored with and of. So when he started Smoky Mountain, he wanted Ron Wright there as uh, his uh, a manager, uh, a commentator, because of what the guy could do was talk. Unfortunately, a lot of Ron Wright's, pretty much all of Ron Wright's matches were lost because there was no film and no tape for them. They're strictly um, legend and, and uh and word of mouth about what actually happened for the people that were actually there. So it could have sucked. We won't know. We won't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but it, it, it it's the 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 feel the uh, the time. You know, we I've said it so many times on this uh, podcast. Uh, the wrestlers that were so much bigger than life, especially in the South, uh, or even someone like Ricky Dozan, they were not physically big. Uh, Ron Wright, just like Ricky Dozan or Spud Monroe, none of those guys were over six feet tall. None of those guys weighed over 240 pounds. Ron Wright was bald um, and was like the head of like an Arn Anderson type of hairline. But there was no one that got more heat than Ron Wright, so much so that when Jim Cornette was putting together Smoky Mountain, he, would, he wanted Ron Wright to be a part of that because even 40 years later, he was still a big name. People knew Ron Wright. He put Ron Wright on the card in Chattanooga, and, the, and it sold out just because Ron Wright was on the on the card. And they had a a, uh, a coward waves the flag match where uh, the Jim Cornette was in one corner, Ron Wright was the other. So if you're, they could the, the two teams in there. I think one of the teams was the Heavenly Bodies. You could beat your team in two submission until they were a bloody pulp, unless your corner man waved the flag. That was only to, to uh, signal that they quit. Um, but Jim Cornette was interfering, and Ron Wright, who was in a wheelchair, came over. Well, he wasn't in a wheelchair then, but he hobbled over to Jim Cornette and threw him on the ground and took his racket and broke it. And Jim Cornette was feared for his life, so he took the flag and was waving it to Ron Wright to, to you know, defend him off. And the referee saw that and called the bell. And Cornette's team had quit because Jim Cornette was waving the flag, and the place went nuts, and Ron Wright went out a winner. Um, just absolutely a legendary uh, figure in Southern wrestling. And and uh, I make it a point to try to bring up, um, when you give me this segment, Dan, Wrestling Historian, to bring up uh, the Southern wrestlers that made a difference, uh, like a Sputnik Monroe or a, a, a Lan Rossi. Uh, but Ron Wright, in no small way, should be forgotten. You know, I we shit on rightfully so the people that were uh, part of the WWE's Hall of Fame legacy wing. Um, Baron Leone, who when Baron Leone wrestled Buddy Rogers in 1958 uh, in an outdoor stadium in Los Angeles, he drew 26,512 people. That was the first $100,000 gate in professional wrestling history. Baron Leone is a legend, and you put him alongside fucking Brickhouse Brown, who never drew a dime 
a day in professional wrestling. Ron Wright is someone who should be in your Hall of Fame. And I use, you know, we talked about Baron Leone, Ray Stevens, uh, Paul Bosch. You start a Hall of Fame with those guys. If you're, yeah. if you're building a Hall of Fame, those are the first Gary guys Hart. you put in. Yeah, Gary Hart. Gary, Gary Hart's Hart, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He should have been in there when he was alive. Yes. I mean, we talked about, I, I talked about last week what he did, you know, how he brought in the Freebirds. And make the, Gary Hart's the reason why there's a one-man gang. He, call, he named Crusher Broomfield one-man gang. He gave them his background. He grew up on Halstead Street. That's where Gary Hart grew up. Crusher Broomfield, I forget his real name right, he was born in Alabama. Gary Hart rechristened him the one-man gang from Halstead Street in Chicago. Every main event check one-man gang ever got in his life, he owes to Gary Hart. Gary Hart is responsible for the American dream, folks. Literally. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. Not this his, American dream. We mean Dusty Rhodes. Not, 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 not all this bullshit. No, yeah. we're not. Um, <laughs> we can't give we gave Gary Hart a lot of credit, but we can't give him credit for that. But no. Dusty doesn't, Rhodes, he doesn't want it. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes was a heel being managed by Gary Hart when he turned on Gary Hart. He became the face for the first time and then went on to become one of the biggest money-making wrestlers of all time outside of Andre and, and uh, Bruno, mainly the biggest gate attraction in the 70s. But that was just turning on Gary Hart. That's what Gary Hart has meant to professional wrestling. But he's a legacy wing. He deserves to be right next to Pistol Pez Wally. That's what his uh, legacy is. But, folks... I digest, rest in peace, the great Ron Wright, who passed away on this day, April 21st, 2015. And that, gentlemen and ladies, and Omega Squads of all ages, is the wrestling historian. Did you want to add anything, Chris? I'm sorry, I was jumping on you. If you wanted to say anything about what I just said. You know, I, I often get very educated when when we were on these segments because you you are the encyclopedia, you are the historian. And like the The original on the, the original the, on the VOC yeah. network. The original. Yeah. And it's you know I, I I bow to your bow to your wisdom, sir. I mean it's just always always interesting stories that, you know, certainly like I mean uh, you know, maybe, maybe I should know these if I was a better fan, but, uh, you know. Due diligence, Chris. People who are younger than me probably don't. Uh, no, no, not at all. People yeah. people older than you don't. Exactly, so. Come on. I'm here to elucidate, um, folks. If I tell you something you haven't known or, uh, or even just trying to bring back the flavor of what it was. And, it, and for me, it wasn't that long ago. I still remember in 1986 going to the Civic Center to see the Road Warriors because they were already selling the Jim Crock Memorial uh, Tag Team Tournament programs and souvenirs the day before the tournament. So I already knew who what teams were going to be in it and the brackets and everything. And it was full color and glossy. And – they brought in tag teams from the Pacific Northwest, from the Central State, from Memphis, from Japan. Tiger Mask and Giant Baba were on that card in the in the Superdome. Um, the even though the Midnight Express were the NWA tag team champions, they weren't even the number one seed. And Jim Cornette made that very well known in his promos and in real life. He thought it was bullshit, but um, 
so it wasn't that long ago for me, but knowing that the Rollers had that schedule back then, Philly, and then New Orleans, and wrestled twice in New Orleans, and wrestled three times, um, and then the very next, then after that, getting, getting on a plane and going to Minneapolis, and wrestling in, in the Metrodome, um, just, you know, insane, and Jimmy Garvin and Wahoo McDaniel did the same thing, going from Philly to New Orleans to uh, Minneapolis. But that's just, what you did. It's just no wonder that so many of those old wrestlers are on painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> so much painkillers no. no. That's right. and, and even hearing Steve Austin talk about that, and he was during the dying days of the territory, like towards the, you know, towards the very the back end of it when he was just wrestling in Tennessee and in Texas and would go back and forth between those two cities because that's where the USWA covered. That period of time is gone in professional wrestling now, and not that, you know, wrestlers need that to pay their dues, but at least I know that a wrestler like Steve Austin and even someone like Chris Jericho or the ones before that, and I hope that Piper talks about it, you know that they they appreciate what the business has given them, that they they weren't handed anything, that Austin uh, was a guy that, that did it because he loved it, because he loved it, you know, and eating raw potatoes and tuna fish, you know, he knew it was going to benefit. So when he when he signed his first contract with, with WCW, he said it was $75,000, he felt like a millionaire. He's like, are you kidding me? I can get to keep this? I can eat? Yeah, so uh, that's... Rent. <laughs> I can't... Huh? Survive? Uh, yeah, but um, that's why I love doing the historian. I love... Uh, and fans listening, uh, tell you not just like, well, you know, because I'm the senior member of this group and say, well, in my day, but I also wanted to show you how far we've come um, and where wrestling is now to what wrestling was back then and the healthy appreciation that I that we still have for it and that hopefully we can regain at some point. I think um, Rip Rogers posted something the other day about. Uh, the old days of paying your dues and how that's gone and, mm-hmm. you know, making no money. And uh, my counterpoint, and which was funny, is uh, Foxy Foxy agreed with both points, was that perhaps, you know, promoters should pay their wrestlers more than $20. Yeah. Those days should be gone. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just my thought. And in closing, mm-hmm. make wrestling better again. Yes, that's a... Uh, Inside and out, mother effer. Damn it. That being said, Craig, where can people follow you? Oh, they can follow me, Dan, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Uh, now, keep in mind, I can't do go live on Facebook, but um, you can read all my posts if you like. Still not banned from that. Wink. Um, I'll Facebook, give it time. Instagram and on Twitter. I'm sure there's something else will happen in this country that will cause me to post something and then take it down and then still be banned for life. But uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. And you can follow me, Omega Squad, on Twitter, at Omega Squad. Pleasure to be on, as always, gentlemen. Yes, we appreciate you coming on, and I'm glad I remembered to ask you this time. <laughs> Let's keep it easy on the social media. All social media platforms, Danlaw83. If you're watching on Twitch, go to youtube.com slash Danlaw83 to watch the edited versions. If you're on YouTube, 
Come back to Twitch. We're live. Right now. I promise you. Watch the videos anyway. Uh, VOCNation.com. If you're on your smartphone, uh, go to your podcast app or Spotify. Type in VOC Nation Radio Network to find all of the podcasts of VOC Nation. And all of our episodes are there as well. Um, for Omega Squad, Chris Green and Craig Legans, I'm the above average comedian, Dan Calchico. We will see you next week. Have a good night. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Wirtz. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirtz, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included... General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Danger Sandy Davis, Jimmy Hart, Richard Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VOC Nation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, 
and wrestling, check it out, VOCNation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.